welcome back to episode, I think, 42 of Wildly Adequate. Oh boy, the show about anything, everything, and usually nothing. Uh, I am one half of your hosting crew this episode, and I am joined by, God help me, my dad. Uh, there he is. Um, Don't you, talk over me again. Okay. Talk over me again, and I'm out of here. I'm gone. You might notice that this is a completely different house and a completely different person sitting with me. Uh, this is the last of our three bonus episodes that we've been doing while we're on holidays. So we had the Game Awards one, the UTM Live one, and now this one. Uh, I originally wanted to do it with my mom and dad and my younger brother, uh, but my mom and brother bailed because they had no desire to do this, um, which was... For shame. Incredibly disappointing, but it's okay. We've got you. I'm just going to shove that right in your face. Ah, stupid. See? You went and moved it. It was fine where I had it. I blame the guys. This is one of their stupid mics that has a terrible stand. See mine? It stands nice. It's pretty. Uh, anyways, how's it going, Dan? I am uh, good. Before we get started, what do you want in terms of visual appeal? Do you want, like brooding intensity or like a 70s al pacino or do you want just pure smoldering sexuality like how's this going to work for you what do you want um because i can kick it up a notch i can tone it down whatever you want i'm gonna go with the, i was you described smoldering intensity so well that i was gonna say that but then you brought in the uh no, was, or, sorry, brooding, intensity, brooding intensity smoldering smoldering sexuality. sexuality yeah i'm thinking smoldering sexuality well i can't help but do that <laughs> It's a good thing you chose that because I, I, that's all I can do. Let's pump up those numbers. Brooding intensity, I'd have to really act a little bit. Smoldering mm -hmm. sexuality, yeah, that just comes naturally. There you go. Sorry, I'm just playing with the dials here. Um, I'm touching a knob, if you will. Playing with that voodoo box. Um, yeah, exactly. You don't understand at all. It's okay, though. Technology's hard. Um, I'm considering what a uh, disaster the world is. Uh, I guess I'm doing as well as can be expected. Mm -hmm. There you go. And considering how much time I spend reading the news, because I uh, do make my living teaching political science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm doing okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... This, you know, it's my faith in humanity is destroyed, but other than that, all is well. Well, there you go. That's all you can really do. I did have some lovely cookies with my coffee, so you know. There you go. Thank you, Mom, for the Christmas Climate cookies. change, bloodshed all over the world. Christmas sure. cookies. But I had some nice Christmas cookies. Exactly. Thank you, Mom. Will she ever hear us complimenting her cookies? Will she ever actually watch this? No, probably not. Almost certainly not. You're all right in my books, honey. Oh, well, there you go. Um... Now we're just going to move on. All righty. Now, I've got a few things written on this very official sticky note here okay. that I figured, you know, over the course of this, however long it takes us, we'll get into. For starters, at the time of recording this, somebody's got a birthday tomorrow. Yes. And you're what? 27. <laughs> 27 years old. Yeah. It's, it just seems like just yesterday I was 26. Mm -hmm. Actually, it just seems like even today. Mm -hmm. No. Tomorrow is my 53rd birthday. Wow. Mm. Old. Fossil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still smoking hot, mm -hmm. but a fossil. Smoldering sexuality. Yeah, but a fossil. Mm -hmm. And what's that like? Well, growing, uh, getting older is a little easier to take when you know you've, at least most of the time, made the most of your time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When you've laughed as much as you could, when you've made other people laugh, which I know I have, you know, it makes growing older. You know, I don't have too many major regrets. 
So it makes growing older a little easier. I have two sons that um, I definitely give a solid C plus to in terms of grading. Okay. I have a wife who's a solid B minus. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, when you have a family that you adore and uh, you have a, a warm, comfortable home to come home to every day, which is, you know, I give your mother a huge tip of the hat for that because she's created this beautiful home that we enjoy. It's not as bad as you would think, but yeah, definitely feeling getting older. Uh, the eyes are starting to go. I'm starting to wear glasses to read the hockey news, mm-hmm. which is depressing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's all right. I'll put it that way. It's mm-hmm. okay. There you go. Well, you're going to look like grandma and grandpa with the glasses. Well, yeah. Which mom is always right, though. Does that surprise you? Because both grandma and grandpa wore glasses. So it's like it seems like you were well, doing Well, considering I've made it into my 50s, like I literally start. And the ones I'm wearing are the bare, bare minimum prescription. Like I buy them, I buy them at the pharmacy at Walmart. They're the the lowest of the low, they're, um, and they're only to help me read. So other than that, when I drive, I can't see it all. So I want that to be a comforting <laughs> thought to people. That's great. I just kind of use the force when I drive. <laughs> yeah, I just great. close my eyes and try to feel my way around the mm-hmm. roads. So if you ever see Dad on the roads, just if you see me with my eyes closed driving, I'm not asleep. I'm using the force. He knows what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen. So but, just leave him alone. Um, but anyways, so there you go. Your birthday. You're getting old. I'm getting older too. You're my you're my baby boy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're 23 years old, right? Yes. Whew. Good thing I got that one right. <laughs> I was born in 2000. Kind of half guessed there. <laughs> born in 2000. You just gotta go with the year. I kind of half guessed there, but I'm glad I got that right. It makes me look semi competent as a father. Go. There you go. Yes. Yes. It's hard to believe. Old. I remember it's like scary. yesterday bringing you home from the hospital. This beautiful little bundle and. Putting you in your crib and thinking, oh, man, I better not get fired. I need money now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do need to support me in my uh, habits and addictions. But, um, yeah, I'm getting old. That's scary as shit. I don't like it. You're not getting old. You're, 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 getting, you're not a kid anymore, uh, but you're certainly not old. Your, fa- your father, yes. <laughs> you, know, yes. you have your mother who's a little older than me, technically, mm-hmm. who looks 15 years younger than me. But as I say to people, you teach high school for 30 years and see how young and spry you look. Well, there you go. Um, but I guess, yeah, I don't know. It makes me think, and I'm sure I'll, I'll probably talk about this with the guys tonight since it'll be our first thing back, but I hate New Year's. Why do you hate New Because it reminds me that I'm getting old. It's like the passage of time. I don't like it. The only advice I can give to young people when they still have so much of their life ahead of them is, you know, when it's time to work, work hard. But when you're not working, have things that give you joy. Have hobbies that give you joy. And, you know, for me, as you know, was playing guitar. I love to play guitar. I love to read. You know, try to do more with your time off than just, you know playing video games and there's nothing wrong with playing video games i want to be very clear about that before i get annihilated how dare you um but you know you want to nice to have some hobbies more creative hobbies like you do with your writing and your you know you make your comic book for the people at work which is hilarious and Mm -hmm. uh, you know try to do creative things that give your mind a little bit of a workout and uh i don't know i guess that's about to do what makes you happy and uh as long as it's not uh at the expense of others and uh that makes that makes, like I said, it makes growing older is a little easier when you know you've, you've, it's been time well spent. Growing older is harder when you look back on your life and say, man, did I ever screw the pooch there? Man, was that a bad decision? Man, I should have done this, I should have done that. That's when it's hard to grow older because then you realize the time is gone and you, you don't have time to go back and fix some of the stuff 
that you did. But you know, if you can if you can grow old knowing that you made the most of your time, and that's not nothing to do with being rich either and having tons of money, because I'm certainly not a rich man. But you make the most of your time, and it makes growing old uh, a little more palatable. Do you regret not investing heavily in Apple and Google stocks in like the '90s? Because then we would be rich as shit now. <laughs> well. As you know, I have several criminal enterprises on the side to try to make up for that uh, lack of business acumen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, when I was younger, we didn't have a lot of money to invest. (laughs) I mean, when you were a little dude, uh, especially when your brother was born, we kept your mom home for six years. And I'm very proud that I made enough money to do that. But I made enough money back then. I make more money now, obviously, because I've been teaching a long time. But back then, when I hadn't been teaching a crazy long time, I mean, I was able to keep your mom home for six years. Like your brother never saw a daycare mm-hmm. in his life, right? Right up to grade one when he went to school full time. He had his mother with him the whole time. Um, but, you know, that, those weren't easy. There were times when the day before I got paid, there was $20 in the bank. But we did it. And you know what? Those are some of the happiest days of my life because you guys were small. Your mom was home with you. I never cared about snowstorms and bad weather because I knew you guys were all home safe. Uh, so even though we were broke technically, those were some of the happiest days because I knew you were all home safe and uh, life was simple then. Mm-hmm. Now you all drive. So when the weather's bad, I get agitated because I know you're all out on the roads. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole different set of worries. Um, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Paranoid dad. Did I answer the question? What was the, last, what was the question you asked? I was just talking about, oh, I said if you had invested in... Apple and Google. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so no, because we didn't have. I was investing in, you know, more frivolous things like food and mortgage payments (laughs) and diapers. Diapers. And I'm glad to say that for, what, the last four years, you and your brother have been diaper-free. So that was a huge relief to not have to buy those damn things because they're expensive. They're no joke. There you go. Thank you. Thankfully, we've had about four years free of that. (laughs) Thank you. What are you, 23? Yeah, about four years. Yeah, that's great. So since I was 19... Yeah, thank you for airing that out for the world to hear. <laughs> Was I not supposed to share that? No. Oh. Um, all right, there we go. Well, that takes me to my next thing. So you don't want me to discuss like my top 10 favorite lovemaking sessions with your mother? No. Oh, so God. leave that out of it? Oh, no. Oh, no. I thought we were going to go for the hardcore taboo stuff. No, no, no. Oh. That, I, I didn't write that down on my sticky note. Because oh, I had a list. Like with and without costumes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you did. God damn it. Here's a lesson for parents out there. There's no sense having kids if you can't torture them. And what good I mean, they're a huge drain on your budget. And if you can't torture them, what good's having kids? What's the use? Go ahead, ask me something else. Yeah, that's uh, great. Uh, well, I don't know. I had a what's new and what's up and interesting written down. What's up and interesting? Mm-hmm. Anything interesting as we approach the new year? Well, if all goes well, down. your mother, this is her last year in the rat race. Mm-hmm. She should be retiring before the next winter comes around, even though we're still in this one. Mm-hmm. The hope, My hope for her is that she'll be ready to go and wanting to go by the... I, I, we've always said Halloween so that she avoids the winter driving. So mm-hmm. that in and of itself is exciting. I don't know how she's going to handle it because she's the kind of person who likes to be to, likes to keep busy. Well, so I suspect... Uh, Ideally. Or the plan? Well, the the goal for me, ideally, would be to do one more full school year after this one. So, so a year from June. 2020. So I can officially say next year as of a few days ago. So 25. June 25 would be ideal. 
if for some reason uh, I need to get out or my health isn't good or I'm just ready to kill somebody, which is obviously a possibility. So mom, October 24, you, June 25. Or even Jan- the end of January 25, if I was to just do first semester. Right. Well, I think mom will be fine that first, let's say what, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Those first nine months, I think she'll be fine with the glow of retirement and also because you won't be there around. Well, that's the whole plan. I, the whole plan was for her to have some months at home before Papa Bear gets home. Because once you retire... And shatters her tranquility. How long do you give it before she just kills you? Oh. Well, again, if you've seen that, if, if you've seen the movie Goodfellas, <laughs> there's a scene where Henry wakes up from a nap and his wife is straddling him with a gun in his face. Now, she thinks it's because he's cheating on her. That same scene will play out in this house. <laughs> I'd say within six months. I will wake up from a nap and she, I will have left crumbs or I will have gone upstairs and left my socks down here because my feet get hot. Sometimes I take my socks off, but I forget them when I go to bed. Um, I'll wake up with her straddling me with a gun in my face. Mm-hmm. And uh, 50-50, she pulls the trigger. <laughs> yeah. 50-50. Yeah, so I think, she'll be okay. I think she'll be fine for the first bit when like the house is empty. Well, Michael, but Michael, he lives in this fucking room, so that won't be a problem. And even if I'm around, you know, I'm not necessarily as in the way. Um, but she'll be able to watch movies and clean and do her little crafts and shit. But then, yeah, once you're around. Well, I as I said to your mother, you know, she's worked so hard building this great life for us and, you know, uh, taking care of you guys and raising you and giving you a, a, the kind of warm, stable home that so many of the kids I teach don't have. And she's done an amazing job. So it's time for her to rest. And now I want her to just concentrate on my needs. Mm-hmm. It's time for her to transition away from taking care of her sons. And transition towards, you know, taking care of her husband. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think she's excited about that. I think she's excited about devoting them. You know, we're entering, we're in the third period now, your mother and I, as they Mm -hmm. say, to use the hockey term. And uh, it's time she devoted more time to me. Mm -hmm. And she's earned that. (laughs) She's earned that right. Oh, that's adorable. That's great. Um, But yeah, I don't know. So that, well, that's good. That's, you know, I say, what are you going to do when you retire? What am I going to do? You know what? Besides becoming a degenerate gambler. People who know me well think that after I get to decompress for a while, um, that I'll probably go back to maybe supply teaching. Mm. Um, they think that eventually I might get a little bit restless and uh, go back to that, which I could see doing. I could see doing that. And uh, maybe one or two days a week. You can't do it too many days. Not, not to get into boring details, but... if. If you do it too many days, it starts to affect your pension, so you can't. But I could see myself doing that after maybe having taking a year off to do absolutely nothing. I'm looking forward to sleeping peacefully again because that's the, that's the toll. That's the one toll that the profession has taken on me. It doesn't happen to everybody, but it's taken on me as it's destroyed my sleep. Uh, like these last couple of weeks, I've been home for Christmas holidays. These are the first like peaceful, peaceful nights of sleep I've had since the summer ended. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. You know, you get up through the night for whatever reason. Your mind starts to race, and I. But when you know you can sleep in because you don't have to go to work, you kind of settle down and you you, you get back to sleep. But when you know when you're up at four o'clock in the morning and you're having trouble settling and getting back to sleep, and you know you got to get up at six, that makes it worse because then your mind's like, okay, I got to get some sleep, I got to get some sleep, I get. Some, and then you get more wound up. So mm-hmm. that's the that's one toll it's taken on me. But uh, I'm looking forward to playing some guitar, mm-hmm. reading, which are two hobbies that I love, mm-hmm. chasing your mother around the house, obviously, that's a given, Great, but we don't want to get into that because my son gets disturbed, mm-hmm. uh, 
and I want to. I definitely want to get into video poker more. I do play video poker, but I'd like to get into it a little bit more. Um, probably fifty-fifty chance again. I lose the house within mm-hmm. the first first year with gambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so other than becoming a degenerate gambler and playing guitar and uh, and doing lots of reading, and again chasing your mother around, mm-hmm. hopefully take some of the trips we've dreamt of. Uh, that's about it, and that will be that's that's good enough. Mm-hmm. That's good enough. Like I said, uh, I'm just looking forward to relaxing and to being able to sleep and rest. And if I've had a bad night's sleep, who cares? Sleep in, mm-hmm. stay in bed for another couple hours if you've had a bad night. Whereas I don't have that option now. If it wasn't for the toll it's taken on my sleep, I could teach another five years, no problem. Standing on my head, I could do it because I still do enjoy it to a point. But it's the sleep. It's just it wreaks havoc with my sleep. My mind is like, like a hamster on a wheel when I wake up in the middle of the night. And uh, that's it. That's what it is. But I'm looking forward to slowing down. Not fighting traffic. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Not fi- not having some little piece of garbage with his tinted windows, driving like he's auditioning for the Fast and the Furious, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, having to constantly resist the urge to you know cut him off and cause a horrible crash and pull him out of the car while he's still dazed from the impact and beating the crap out of him yeah that's it's good to avoid that all these punks with their tinted windows tell everybody why you don't like tinted windows yeah so they can hide so it's easy harder to see that they're on their phones Mm -hmm. and doing what they shouldn't be doing so Mm -hmm. uh you know i won't miss the rat race and all that i'm blessed to have the kind of hours where i can usually beat rush hour coming home going to work i go in rush hour like everybody else um but i won't miss traffic and all that and the stressful parts of the job I won't miss, but I'll miss the people. I'll miss having an outlet for my creativity, whether it's buying really inappropriate Christmas gifts or Valentine's Day gifts or just sending funny emails. I'll miss having that outlet for my creativity, but that's okay. I'll just uh, expend all that creative energy on your mother. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. And can, yes, she should take that as a warning. That's great. That's not a promise. That's a threat. Um, is supplying the only thing you would do? No, I could see myself maybe working in a music store. That's maybe. what I was going to say. Because like, to me, I think about it where it's like, I would do it now, even though it makes absolutely no career sense. But it's like, fuck, I would crush ass at like a comic book store or a fucking GameStop or something. Yeah. So it's like... I can, but see, it's, when you're older and you're retired and you don't necessarily need the money, that's something you can do. Yes. I can go work in a music store for minimum wage a couple of four-hour shifts a week and just basically give people advice if they're looking for guitars or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could see myself doing that, but it's, you know... You're, it, it, the only problem with that is, I, I'd want to stay local for sure. And the only other thing is, you know, yeah. Then you got to then you're dealing with the public, and when you're dealing with the public, you have to have what your father's famous for, <laughs> a Mother Teresa level of patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely, uh, it's a very different world now. I mean, I worked in at Home Depot for years before I was a teacher, and at various places where you dealt with the public. And uh, even back then, it wasn't easy. But now it's it's a different different world now. Did, I, did that answer offend you? Because now you've taken off. No, I'm just, every, every once in a while I get panicked. It happens very rarely. But I have this like moment where I'm like, what if the camera just suddenly stopped recording? And all this gold, it'd be lost. Mm-hmm. Well, the recorder's always going. This I can always see, so I know I'd always have the audio. But every once in a while I get panicked about like the, you know, the camera just crapping out or something, and it's a horrifying thought. Uh, but there you go. So you know, things to look forward to retirement yeah like i said it's a different phase of life it's a it is you know you can't deny the reality it's your final phase of life it's you know things are slowing down but god willing you know 
No one knows how long their retirement's going to last. But again, you go into that phase. When you go into that phase knowing that you didn't squander your time and that you've, you've laughed as much as possible. And, you know, a quote that's always stuck with me. I think Charlie Chaplin said, he said, a day without laughter is a mistake or something like that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing it. But, you know, a, 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 I know if that quote has always stuck with me, a day without laughter is a mistake because... Uh, I've always tried to make sure I don't, or is a wasted day. I think I think the quote is a day without laughter is a wasted day, something like that. So I've done my best not to waste any days at work. And uh, I have a photo album. And I just read you a couple of them the other day of cards from staff and students uh, that I've collected over my years of teaching. And uh, the theme of those cards, whether it's from a staff member who retired or a student, it's always the same. It's, hey, thanks for making me laugh. Thanks for making this place more fun to work. Or if it's a student, thanks for making class so much fun. So when you know you've done that, you know you, you made the most of your time. So again, like I said earlier, it's, it's a little easier growing older when you know you made the most of your time, when you don't have any real serious, serious regrets. Mm. And as I tell a lot of my students on the first day of school, if you poll 100 adults and if you ask them if they have any serious regrets, and then if, let's say 80 out of those 100 say, yeah, if you took those 80 out of those 100 and said, okay, so what is your serious regret? I'll bet you 90% of them or three quarters of them, will say, at least three quarters of them will say, I pissed away my education. I didn't take my education seriously. And I tell my students that on the first day. Now they all sit and listen to me and nod. And then, you know, inevitably five or six of them in every class completely pissing away their education. So it went, that talk goes in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's 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 not fun knowing that you're getting older uh, and that your time on the planet is is winding down uh, but like i said when you can look back and know that you made the most of it it's it, it's easier mm-hmm. it's easier would you put your brain in a jar don't forget the cocaine too i mean the oh. cocaine always keeps me going i mean when i'm having a bad day a little toot mm-hmm. and everything's nothing fine a little bump from that here a little bump and you know if you are in a bit of a sour mood because you're getting older hey nothing makes you feel younger than you know jumping off the roof from the second floor and not feeling a thing there you go so the solution to getting old cocaine just try to avoid the stonework on the ground mm-hmm. try to hit the lawn mm-hmm. not the patio softer landing um, but so would you put your brain in a jar or any of that shit? Like I'm saying if it gets to that point where it's like, hey, live forever, download your brain into a computer and just fucking be a robot forever. I don't know what the allure of that would be. I mean, if the rest of you is gone, just to keep your, your you're saying just to keep your consciousness going. Yeah. I mean, you could, I, the assumption would be that you'd put it in like. A physical form, like you wouldn't be in a. The fun part about that is, I could insult anybody and not worry about getting beaten up. Well, there you go. Right? What are they going to do? I guess they could kick my brain around, but it's Mm -hmm. like you know, it's not like they can kick me in the stones or punch me in the break my jaw or anything because that's all you know, that's all gone. Exactly. No more. But they'd still actually hear some sort of a voice from me from my brain saying, "Hey, you're a dink." I always (laughs) wanted to tell you that, but not while I actually had a body that you could beat up. The assumption, I guess, would be that you would be like your consciousness, but you would put it maybe into like a body of some kind. So you'd have like a physical presence, but it wouldn't be like, you know, meat and bone per se. Nah, it would still be you. I don't know. That's a deep question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't we know. talked about it on the show before. We said uh, I had a topic of immortality. Would you live forever if you could? Yeah, that's a touch. And Patrick and I were kind of like, I think we would, whereas Mark was more on the like, nah, like let it end. It's a tough question because you're asking, would you want to live forever? Okay, well, ask a happy person that, and they'll probably say, yeah. Ask a person that's not happy, and they'll be like, no, I'm mm-hmm. okay. You know, 60, 70, 80 years is, well, 60 is a little too young. 70, 80 years, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a lucky guy for most of my life in terms of the, you know, I had a beautiful lady take care of me 
growing up and my mom and I had a beautiful lady take care of me whom I married and uh, so I've been lucky that way I've again two kids that are easily a C plus mm-hmm. on the on the on the grading the scale grade. yeah oh yeah that's holy as was it adequate oh yeah <laughs> wild I got a wife who's a solid B minus mm-hmm. um, so uh, I made a decent mm-hmm. living so if you ask me I'm a pretty happy guy I guess I'd lean towards maybe living longer mm-hmm. uh, than normal mm-hmm. but immortality like forever mm-hmm. man the way we're going with the political correctness and all that. I, I mean, how long do you think it'd be before I'd, I'd be the subject of a massive lawsuit? It's only a matter of time. I can only imagine what it's going to be like, you know, 10, 15 years from now, let alone 100 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you... Uh, this is, it's totally unrelated, but it's why when you talk about the laughter thing, where I'm the same way, where I'm just very like, you know, just make fun of shit and just laugh. That's why I love my stand-up comedians and, you know, feel a certain amount of kinship with them even though I'm not nearly as fucking talented or any of that shit. Um, but it's just that idea of, you know, laughing at things and all that, whatever, and trying to make people laugh because it's like so many fucking I think you and your brother are the two most talented people ever born. Oh, why, thank you. Um, with Next that, to your father. There you go, with that C plus or whatever the hell we're rocking grade. Um, C also stands for cool. There you go. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, it's the thing. And me and the guys talk about it sometimes, but it's like, oh, everybody always gets offended or annoyed by everything i'm like just fucking laugh about well, it well we live in a world i have a phrase for this and it's a it's a christopher urso original so if you hear somebody else say it they ripped it off from me but I, the world we live in i call it it's, we live in a world of premeditated outrage yes where everybody's just kind of sitting around on their computers and they're just waiting they're just waiting for some to, someone to say something mildly controversial they're just waiting for something and then they pounce you know, and it's, it's, or the, you know, they check into a, a hotel or they go to a restaurant and they've already prepared themselves. They've already got in their minds the Yelp review they're going to write. If, you know, God forbid the, the pillow on the bed isn't fluffed up enough, or, you know, maybe the meal was a tad salty or the service was a tad slow. And, uh, it, it's, a, it's, I don't know whether, how else to describe it. It's premeditated outrage. It's people sitting around, not everybody, of course. Uh, as you know, your dad doesn't go anywhere near all that social mm-hmm. media stuff because it's uh i've seen what it's done to kids i've watched it and uh it's created this world where people are afraid to to say things that need to be said because they don't want to be and when i say things that need to be said i'm saying you know corruption in in business or something like that people are almost afraid to say anything like that because they don't want to get lambasted online and they don't want to get canceled or whatever like that and there are people who yeah we don't we could we 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 really don't need to hear their opinions um but again i can't think of a better way to describe it than that term and i'm not i'm not saying that because i created that term it is what it is it's people sitting around just waiting to be upset about something and waiting to, to be outraged And i think people just need to take a deep breath and 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 breathe a little bit and realize that people are people and human beings will occasionally say the wrong thing and a dumb thing. They will. It, it, it ha- especially when you catch people at an emotional moment or, you know, when they say something off the cuff. And, uh, you know, I think we just need to relax a little bit and breathe and not uh, analyze every single, you know, little thing people say to a point where we're, society and conversation becomes so sanitized that people are literally afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. 
Like right now, as, as we're sitting here, if you were to ask me a real political question, <laughs> I wouldn't answer it. And you know I wouldn't answer it because it could come back to haunt me. As a political science teacher, if I was to say something really political, who's to stop somebody from saying, oh, this guy's teaching our kids and he feel, he's a hardcore this supporter, hardcore that supporter, whatever. He, you know, uh, I don't want my son or daughter learning from somebody who supports this political party or that political party or... You know, it's it's it, everything's a minefield now. That's mm. a good way of describing it. You you have to tiptoe around everything right now, mm-hmm. um, and that's sad. I think it makes people, whether it's subconscious or not, I think it makes people a lot more stressed than they need to be. And that doesn't mean you should be going around shooting your mouth off, saying whatever you want without repercussions. I I, I couldn't. Di- I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just living in perpetual fear of having every word that comes out of your mouth, you know, sort of put under the microscope mm-hmm. and uh it doesn't make for a happier society that's what i think mm-hmm. well i that's i that's my two cents there you go uh that's why i have always been i call it you know the like being very conscious about self-preservation where i'm very like you know we haven't really gotten in anything like too crazy on our stupid little show here ever but even on like my instagram because i know you're not on the instagram and that's the only one i really use but i don't use Twitter or any of that other dumb shit. But it's like people, my generation is very like, the people that are political, it's very like out on social media and here's what I think and blah, 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 and this and that kind of thing. Whereas I'm always very like, nope, I'm like, fuck you. I don't need to tell you the way I think about anything one way or the other. If you want to know that bad, like, well, that's another thing. That's social media. So I always, I'll I'll drop another quote on you that I I always remembered, and it was from John F. Kennedy. So think about this quote was from way before when I was born. And man, is it appropriate for today's world. And he said, uh, too often we have the comfort of opinion without the discomfort of thought. I mean, man, does that quote ever summarize society now? Because what social media done is it's given every dink with an opinion, a podium to preach from. Mm -hmm. And when that podium is when the person on that podium is preaching toxic venomous anti this and anti that and all that you know that that metastasizes people who listen to that they 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 loan their minds out to these people and they they allow these people to influence them and they allow people to 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 get them to look at the sky and even though the sky is blue and everybody can see that the sky is blue and these people convince people through social media no 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 that sky is that sky is red (laughs) But no, 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 I can see with my eyes. The sky's blue. I'm looking right at it. No, 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 no. Trust me, the sky's red. And here's all my theories about why it's red. And before you know it, there's half a million people that subscribe to that theory. And they're looking at a sky that's obviously blue. And they're saying, oh, my God, you know what? That person's right. The sky is red. And that's what social media is. It can be an amazing thing for connecting with friends and family and all that and for sharing ideas and recipes. But like everything else, it can be so toxic. And I've seen the effect it has on kids. Our guidance counselors spend half their day trying to put out fires between students before they escalate into fistfights. And those fires all start on social media. They mm-hmm. all start on that crap, which is why I don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. I don't deal with it. I mean, can you imagine your dad on social media, how <laughs> quickly he'd be canceled? <laughs> yes. Just for saying something. Oh, man. Immediately. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Where it's like, I All right, just, here, I'll be controversial. Oh, here we go. Here's a red hot topic just oh, to really set go. the internet on fire. Oh, okay. Christ. I'll tell you right now. I hate cilantro. Okay. I think cilantro is the devil's weed. Okay? I don't think it's a fun addition to the flavor palette. I don't like cilantro. I've tried it. I've tried little hints of it. I've tried a lot of it on dishes. Don't like it. Don't like cilantro. I'm saying it. There you go. 
That's your hot take for the now, day. Now, if I was to say that on social media, mm-hmm. all the people who love cilantro would start sending me threatening letters. And, you know, <laughs> how dare you? Who, who are you to put down cilantro? Well, I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Why can't I say that? You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not telling you not to buy it. I'm not telling you not to consume it. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So I don't consume it. Mm-hmm. And I should be able to say that without getting canceled. Mm-hmm. But that's a slippery slope, too, because when, you, you know, you, you, people who have really nasty anti this and anti that can say, well, I have a right to say that I don't like it. But the problem with social media is, is people see it and they read it and then they start to say, well, if those people all think that way, maybe I should think that way, too. And that's how you get, you know, so much nastiness and hatred in the world, mm-hmm. which is why, again, I don't bother with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The o- I think the only time I ever even broached anything vaguely political can't be as extreme as the cilantro can't be as extreme as cilantro on my instagram thing was when they fired don cherry from the hockey night in canada that was the only time ever because it was so frustrating to me and that's also you know that hits close to home in this household as you sit there wearing your nhl hat i was like that was the only time where i just put i just it was some little thing i put out basically just being like i can't believe like of all the people on check that was as close as i got because everything else half the time i'm like nope i'm good i'm just gonna sit this one out because i don't need any sort of blowback one way or the other especially now because i don't remember exactly what he said that got him fired i remember it was something about um when you come here from another country to, what was it about embracing the culture or something it was like that? i think it was about like remembrance day and not wearing a poppy or something or, or yeah or it was about embracing the culture something like that but what got him in trouble was because he used the phrase you people oh and then everybody was like that's funny. Your mother uses that phrase all the time if she's like cleaning up or something. She says, hey, you people, stop dropping crumbs. Yeah, but she's only talking about you, me, and Michael. So. And she usually has a knife in her hand, <laughs> which, is, true. which is more disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Don, she usually is waving a big knife and saying, you people yeah, Don Cherry didn't are have pissing a knife. me off. But that was the thing that frustrated me because I just remember where everybody was like getting mad at him. And they're like, ah, he's being racist and whatever. I'm like, but he just the fuck oh, it's that's the, the coffee, coffee machine. machine it was like the hell's making it a... that was the only time i even got remotely like mentioned anything because again 90 percent of the time it's like nah i'm good especially now because it's like i don't think people realize this but like i don't know there are definitely places hiring nowadays that like check that shit yeah i tell my so students that like, whatever you put on social media you better be careful because nowadays a lot of places well they'll check that and it's amazing how, like, a lot of people your age, they've never heard of the legal term defamation of character. <laughs> defamation of character. So when I'm talking about this, I'll write it on the board and I'll say it very dramatically. I'll say defamation of character. And they look at me and I'm like, defamation of character. And they look at me again. I'll say defamation of character. And then they finally think I'm having a stroke. I'll say, why am I saying that so dramatically? And then they'll look at me and I'll say, because that's what you can be nailed for with what you write online. If you're writing stuff about people that isn't true. And, and think, you know, nasty stuff and all that kind of stuff, I said. So you, you do have to be careful because, yeah, a lot of times people check your social media footprint before they'll hire you. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to have, and even something mild like, you know, a picture of you passed out, pissed drunk at a party or something. Even something like that can come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a different world. You know, those phones, they've changed teaching. We ha- before those phones, you know, we didn't have to worry about take pe- somebody taking a picture of our tests and sharing it online or or things like that. You know, there's, there's, there's an example of how they changed everything. You know, from that point on, once everybody had them, you had to worry about, you had to be really careful that, you know, you didn't leave, you know, you didn't turn your back to write something on the board. That's all it would take. 
All it would take is if you hand out a test to, to your class and then let's say that you wanted to write an instruction on the board that you forgot. So you turn your, your back to write the instruction on the board and they take a picture of your test and okay, maybe it's too late for them because they're writing the test, but what, what's to stop them from sharing the test to the grade the next year? Now you change questions on your test, but you know you don't, you don't often change 100% of the questions. You may keep half the questions from the previous year's test and then maybe add uh, some other new ones. So, uh, you know, there's a, that's, that's a tiny example of how, the, you know, it changes everything. Did, was Quebec the one that just banned phones? Yeah, God school? bless them. They, they wait till everybody's addicted to them and then they ban Well, them. that's what I was going to say, because are they going to try that here now? Because I feel like it's just like the horse has already left kind of thing. Like the race started. The horses are so far out of the barn now. Um, and with technology in the classroom now, if you're using something like Google Classroom, they don't have tablets for every kid. So what happens is they log in with their phones. Mm-hmm. So... If you do ban the phones, you basically have to ban online classrooms, unless you're in one heck of a ritzy school where every kid's provided with a tablet. Mm-hmm. In our school, we post the work in Google Classrooms. Not every kid has a tablet. As a matter of fact, most of them don't. They use their phones. They log in with their phone, and that's where they see their work, and that's they work from their phone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how banning their phones would work. Um, if they were to ban the phones, I would in my classroom, if they needed them, I'd let them use them. If they needed them to do research, you know, if they're researching a, for a speech or for, for an essay or whatever. If there's not tablets for everybody available in the school, if the library's booked, what are you going to do? You're going you're to say, well, geez, cell phones are banned, so I guess we can't do the assignment. No, you're going to let them use their phones. But the horses are so far out of the barn on it's that It's just now. not going to work. You have a generation of, of young people that are completely addicted to those phones. And now they're going to say, now you can't use them. Well, okay, but it's going to be a war. With some of those students, it's just going to be a war. And I imagine the parents. Well, that's the thing, too. Some of them will be calling, being like, why can't my kid use his phone? Well, don't get me started on this, <laughs> our generation of parent, because, as you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know. when I always say when young people are on those phones, and it's not their fault. They have the whole world in their hand. They have games. They have, you know, you, you know how much narcissistic glee you can get from taking a picture of yourself, sending it out, and then instantly getting likes from your friends. Like, that's an addictive thing. It's such a narcissistic, addictive thing. So what I say with those young people in those phones is when they're on those phones, it's like they're at Canada's Wonderland. Mm -hmm. It's like they're eight years old, and they're at Wonderland. And the parents are, are too whatever, scared, whatever, to tell them that it's time to leave Wonderland and do, and you know, and go home. So the ones who, it's the teachers who have to take that. It's the teachers who say to them, every time we tell them to put their phone down, it's like telling an eight-year-old, okay, you've had some fun, but now we got to leave. we got to go home now. We have to leave Wonderland or we have to leave Disney World. To study politics. Yeah. (laughs) And go figure. Some of them have a hard time doing that. You mean a little device that'll take them anywhere in the world they want to go, allow them to play games, allow them to take photos, allow them to watch whatever TikTok videos they're on are popular that day or whatever. You, you mean to tell me that my politics lesson can't compete with that? What a surprise. You know, they have the whole world in the palm of their hands. And it's, like I said, the, the narcissistic uh, thrill, the shot in the arm they get from that, from being able to post photos and then instantly getting likes and knowing that people are looking at them and appreciating what they're doing and all that. And even the TikTok videos and all that. We're the big bad wolves now that have to say to them, okay, put the phones down. Now you need to concentrate. And there's some students, it's really hard. Like you can see, like they're, they're addicted to those phones. Mm-hmm. And they were designed to be addictive if you, if you read up on how they were designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a great story on 60 Minutes about that. Yes. 
Which is great when now, you know, if I'm like at work or something and I see some like four year old and the parent just like shoves an iPhone in their hand, it's like that can't possibly have any repercussions in 10 years from now. Well, that's I mean, like they've spent their whole lives addicted to screens and now all of a sudden you're going to expect their teachers to say to them, okay, put the screen down and focus on, you know, how a bill gets passed into a law, <laughs> you know, and it's not impossible, but it's difficult. It's not, it just makes the job a lot more stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, than it than than it was in years past. I'm the generation of teacher that when I started teaching, no one had those phones because they didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, they started to get flip up flip up phones. And even the, so, once they were able to text on them, but they didn't. It, it, there was no joy in it. There was no screen. You know, you you kind of maybe send a text. It was just it was so rudimentary. And then of course to now where they have the whole world mm-hmm. in the palm of their hand. I've seen the transition. I've seen what that's done to young people's attention spans. And even worse, I've seen what it's done to their motivation levels. And there's a lot of kids who have it. They can do it. They can, they can be in Disneyland for an hour, and then they understand it's time to leave now. It's time to go cut the grass. In other words, it's time to go learn. There are a lot of kids that can do that. They can strike that balance. But there's a lot of kids who can't. Mm-hmm. And when you take that phone, when you tell them it's time to leave, the, you know, our time at Disneyland's over for a while, they don't handle it the well. The tantrum starts. And they don't do well. And they don't do well. And, yeah. uh, and like I've had parents say, why don't you just take the phones? Like, do you know what kind of a war my day would be? It, it would be hours of war mm-hmm. to, to take these phones from, from these kids. Even if you say to them, yeah, but you'll get it back at the end of the class. Like, I'm not taking it for the day. I'm just take, Even that, they'll lose their minds. Mm-hmm. And then for every parent, and this is what kills me, this is the joy of being a teacher. Mm-hmm. For every parent who says, well, why don't you just take their phones? There's another parent where if you take their kid's phone, they're mm-hmm. going to call up and say, how dare you take my kid's phone? It's mm-hmm. not yours. Give it back. Mm-hmm. So that's the joy. Of, that's the difficulty. And I'm, the joy, obviously, I'm being sarcastic <laughs> of being a teacher is, you know, you got, you got parents who will support you, but you got a lot of parents who won't. Mm-hmm. And that makes it really difficult. And I have, I have way more, thing, more interesting things to do with my day than to spend it spending the first 15 minutes of every class confiscating phones from five or six kids who just can't put it down, who just mm-hmm. can't handle it. So, uh, yeah, you know me with technology and phones <laughs> and social media. I'm, uh, I've seen it. Like I said, I'm not just talking out of my butt. I've seen what it's done to young people. I've seen them go from these narcissists, sorry, from, and don't get me wrong, for as long as there's been school, there's been students who are motivated and students who aren't. But I've seen it, the, the toll it's taken on. And not only that, like so many, even the kids who do well, like kids who ace tests and that, when it comes to having conversations in class, they have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing to say because it's not the latest TikTok video. It's not the latest crap they watched online or whatever. It's, they, they literally have nothing to say. Now, then they'll walk into a test and they'll get you know, 25 out of 30, which is great. They're, they're good students academically they're strong but in terms of interpersonal skills they have nothing to say mm-hmm. if they're not texting it they've got nothing to say mm-hmm. you know you ask you talk about in civics that you give them a, like a deep question like you know what do you value more your privacy or your safety you know and like you got a class of 25 kids and then finally you give them some time to write down a reflection or to think about it and then you ask them what they what, what you know okay so what do you guys think you know what do you, what do you think about this and if you're lucky maybe two people three will actually put up their hands and say something. The rest of them just sit there. They don't want to speak. They've mm-hmm. got nothing to say. And these, a lot of these are strong students, good students. Yeah, I'm worried you're going to knock your mug flying. It's precarious on the edge there. It's, it's making me nervous. If I knocked this mug off the table before it could hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Snatch it. I'd snatch it back Well, up. the funniest thing to me, too, was during the COVID years when you were teaching from home. Now, and you, I made, know, now you made me paranoid. I know. 
when mom and Michael and me would always make fun of you when you would be teaching from home and you would just be like on your Zoom class or whatever and you'd be like, all right, so everybody like, what do we think of this? Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking silent. Yeah. And then, anyone? Yeah. Anyone? The amount of times I said, the, the amount of times I said the word, if I had a dollar for every time I said the word anyone, when we were now. online during the pandemic, I could have been retired a year ago. <laughs> and I'm, and rich. Yeah, you guys used just, to watch that. Just deafening, just, all right, what do we think about this? Silence. Yeah. <laughs> like, you think your mic was muted and nobody heard you. Even in terms of, like, creativity and that, like, if we do a lesson on cyberbullying, let's say, and let's say towards the end of the lesson, for, you know, I'll just do something a little bit creative. I'll say, all right, you know what, imagine, imagine the... Um, the school board has enlisted you to write a, a brief announcement. It'll be read over the PA to schools all across the board, you know, an anti-cyberbullying announcement. They say, take 10 minutes and write something down. What would you say uh, to, to alert students about the dangers of this problem and how devastating it can be to others' mental health and all that? And then, you know, so I'll give them 10 minutes to write something up. Just something creative, something different, you know, not just regurgitating the the textbook or copying overheads and stuff. And then that 10 minutes pass and I'll say, okay, who wants to share? Who's going to be brave? Who's going to step up and share what they wrote? And I'm looking at 25 of this. <laughs> Actually, it's 25 of this <laughs> or not trying to make eye contact. And then eventually after like a minute of awkward silence, maybe one or two will say, sir, I'll read mine. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, and incidentally, someday, those are the students that are going to get hired. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are going to get the jobs and get the good jobs because they're not afraid to look people in the eye and speak. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't care how smart you are and how well you do on tests and exams and all that. If you can't look people in the eye and convey confidence and confidently relay information, when you're going for that dream job and you're competing with 20 other people, it's not going to be you who gets it. It's not going to be you who gets it and that's that's if I, at least if i was doing the hiring mm -hmm. you know you gotta you gotta still be able to look people in the eye and communicate and communicate with confidence and like i said and i'm talking about a lot of students who do really well they ace their test they do well on their assignments but they've got nothing to say because they just have nothing to say they've got no opinion mm -hmm. but ask them if they've seen the latest tiktok video or the latest this or the latest that and they're like oh yeah 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 mm -hmm. teenagers yeah there you go you want another controversial topic oh here we go job of the hut okay yes villain or hero i consider him mm -hmm. the centerpiece the moral centerpiece of the entire star wars canon mm -hmm. because god love him he throws a great party there you go um well this i guess kind of segues into my last note that i had written here i just wrote down movies tv games etc we've right. done all the heavy stuff I didn't write music. I should add music on this. We'll get. I've we've you know we've been all over the place, but I figured why not end with the light? something lighter, something light. Something Job of the hut. Yes. Hero or villain? There you go. Are you asking me personally? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> what's your What's the question with movies? I mean, just I don't know. I figured you know we could just quickly get into some movies, some games, some TV stuff, music. You know, all the things that we both love. And, you know, some of your favorite movies, you know, the movies that I love. I mean, uh, my advice to people is, oh, here's a piece of advice for movies. And I told you this since you were a little boy. Don't listen to critics. If there's a movie you want to see, don't let some critic change your mind. That's another thing. Because I've heard people say it. Even your mom will say that once in a while. She'll say, oh, it's gotten bad reviews, gotten bad reviews. So what? Maybe mm -hmm. you'll love it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's movies that I love, as you know, that most critics wouldn't have high on their list of greatest films of all time. The Warriors, mm -hmm. a classic. Mm -hmm. And I can give you a tour of New York of all the filming locations. All right. Although it is considered a cult classic. There you go. But, you know, it's not exactly up there with Gone with the Wind or, you know, Citizen Kane mm -hmm. or, uh, of course, Godfather. Mm 
Um, but movies, yeah. I grew up watching. I loved watching those gritty 70s. 1970s New York City movies. Mm-hmm. Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. French Connection. Mm-hmm. Marathon Man. Mm-hmm. Of course, The Warriors. Death Wish. Although we both agree. He's got that pea shooter. He's got that little loose, that lame gun. He needs the Dirty Harry gun. He needs the Dirty Harry. He needs the freaking hand cannon. The hand cannon, yeah. The just, Annihilator. Because when the... The famous shot of him there doing the line there when he's just pointing right at the camera and it's just like massive in the fucking frame. It's like this is yeah. the biggest gun ever. And then you cut to Death Wish and it's like fucking Charles Bronson, like, I'm gonna get you with this yeah. fucking little Those are the movies that I grew up loving because there was and that's why I, to this that's why you know I love New York so much. It always had a mystique. It always looked oh and there was another B grade movie I used to watch I had watched. I rented it, I remember when I shouldn't have rented it and it was a it was a pretty violent movie called The Exterminator mm. about and that really epitomizes like early 80s 19 late 1970s New York City when it was a very different place and I saw it when it was still a lot like that uh, when we went to see David Letterman a taping of Letterman it was 94 so it was way past the, the end of the 70s but it was still the area around you know like uh, 42nd and 8th you know which they used to call the deuce was a nickname it was still like it was back then it was really grubby even when your mom and I went a few times when we were younger and we would stay near the Port Authority bus terminal like that was a rough area the hotel we would stay in was nice but once you left that hotel it was a pretty rough area but it always had that allure for me so those are the movies I grew up loving that's not to say I don't love other movies uh, but those are the I love those crime those New York City 1970s gritty your mom and I just watched a really good one from that era where Jane Fonda won the Academy Award called Clute where she she plays a, a call girl who's being harassed by a, a, a bad dude and uh, it's with Donald Sutherland good Canadian boy so we just watched it the other day and uh, it was and it's from that same era it was 1971 obviously a special year which we established at the start of the podcast mm-hmm. see if you um, can do the math and figure that out um and she was brilliant in it. She was great in it. And there's just something about the movies from that era that were, that were to me, really special. Mm-hmm. And the stories and the acting. Uh, you know, Dog Day Afternoon, that was another great movie. Mm-hmm. But then there were other great movies, nothing, you know, The Deer Hunter. You know, I mean, that was a powerful, powerful movie. Mm-hmm. But I like, you know, Slapshot. There's a 70s mm-hmm. comedy that's as good as the movie's ever gotten. And, uh Yeah. Music, I don't think you should ask me about because, you know, that could cause an eruption of, of uh, controversy. Well, then maybe we'll save music for one day. But I was going to say, you don't watch a lot of, like, modern movies, though. It's not that I don't watch them. Just, it takes a lot for me to, to be intrigued. Like, that new Ferrari one with Adam Driver, I'd probably mm-hmm. enjoy that because it's a historical movie. Well, I was going to say, I feel and like... And it's about Enzo, point, well, the legend. There you go. And good Italian guy. There you go. I'm going to show it to mom at some point, but I feel like you would sit and watch Oppenheimer, right? Oh, yeah, I'd watch that. Because that's yeah. fantastic. It's what I don't, what shit, I don't care for awful. is the movie-going experience. Anymore. Sure, yes. You don't like the theater, which is my... It's habit. not that I don't like the theater. I used to love going to the theater. I took you guys when you were kids to those Transformers movies. My God. <laughs> And I left with such a headache because they were so loud. Um, and I think the last movie I saw was probably the Godzilla movie with you versus King Kong. That's yes. probably the last movie I went to see. But if it's a movie I really... Now, now there's a movie out of the blue I took your mom to a couple years ago. It was with Melissa McCarthy called was it that The Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen yeah, because yeah. that was a 70s set New York crime movie. It was a drama. It wasn't a comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was about uh, three ladies who basically take over their husband's kind of crime ring once they all get sent to prison now that intrigued me because it was but the movie itself wasn't the greatest but there's an example of i said to your mother yeah let's go see that if it if it's a strong enough premise something i'm really interested in but i just another thing with movies to me that is they're just so long well oppenheimer's three hours it's got to be one hell of a good story to keep me engrossed for 
you know, for three and a half hours or whatever it is. It's getting getting a little out of hand. Op- well, it's not everything. It's just I feel like it's the certain, like, Oppenheimer, but that's Christopher Nolan, so that makes sense. But even Scorsese there with The Irishman. Yeah, now there's like an example of a really hours. good movie that, you know, is a little long. And I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon now, yet, but that's show- like three hours too. A movie like Goodfellas or Casino, those are long movies, but they're so well made, and especially Goodfellas. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember seeing Goodfellas in the theater with your mom. And a couple other couples, and uh, man, that movie sailed by because it was just so good. It mm-hmm. was just you were just enthralled. Mm-hmm. So, I, like like your grandmother, I do love my gangster movies. There you go. But um, but we will have to do an entire podcast on the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and what was I going to say? Oh, and even um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just I, it seems like you don't watch a lot of like modern stuff. But even I don't know how much you're paying attention to it. A week ago or so when we were watching it, but that creator one, the sci-fi one. See, now there's a movie. Uh, it was well-made. I couldn't, with a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you the name of that movie. <laughs> but it was well-made. It was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. It was really, had some really cool concepts. Mm-hmm. Ken Watanabe. Yeah. Being a badass. We yes. love Ken. We are waiting for the for second season of Tokyo, Tokyo Vice. Vice. Now there's a modern show that I thoroughly enjoy. There you go. But TV is different. You and mom watch a lot of modern TV. Yeah. It's movies that I feel like you don't watch I don't watch know. A lot it's just not movies. a lot of premises that... You know, like the Barbie movie must be pretty amazing because it's done so well. And mind you, popularity doesn't always make guarantee that it's a really great movie. But I'm sure it's very well made. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, does it interest me to see it? No. no but if fun. it's on and sure. your mother wants me to watch it with her and, you know, understand this when you're married, you do things for your spouse that they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is to be married. Mm-hmm. Just like I make Mrs. Urso watch The Warriors. Mm-hmm. There you go. And when we're in New York City, I've dragged Mrs. Urso to filming locations where certain scenes of the movie were shot. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget the French Connection. Yes. Where you walked into the parking garage that Roy the, Scheider walks into we did walk in into the, the French Connection. Garage. Yes. Wow, that was. They make fun of me, but you know, a lot of these movies, like The French Connection, these are Academy Award winning movies. Mm-hmm. You know, Gene Hackman did win the Academy Award for Best Actor in that mm-hmm. movie. There you go. Just saying, you know. But um, now the Warriors, okay, no one won the Academy Award for <laughs> no that. That's just a really cool. Look. That's like a snapshot. That's like a postcard of New York in the late seventies. But yeah, you and Mom watch a lot of like TV stuff. I mean, you guys just watched Squid Game. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was good. I mean, Didn't blow me away, but it was good. It was really like Shameless and all this other stuff. Like- Shameless was good for at least you know like all those shows that go a long time. The first whatever five six seasons really good. Then it starts to. But I don't blame the writers or that for that because that's a long time to. It's very few shows that last really long, and the the quality doesn't doesn't go down at all. You for know? me, that's uh, Sunny. Sunny is still very funny. Like there's there's definitely like in the last two seasons because they've only been eight episodes. There's maybe like what the hell is that? Is that big ass falcon in our? That's yard? a big like hawk. Holy shit! There's a everybody. Hold on a second. There's, there's a big like ass a hawk massive falcon or something or hawk. Let me see. I just saw one of those at work the other day eat a mouse, and it was like both awesome and horrifying. I wonder if he caught anything in our yard. He was on there's the lawn huge, for a second. Uh, I should try and take a picture of it. There there's go. a huge uh, hawk in our backyard, and we're keeping our composure, which is pretty amazing considering it's carrying a newborn. There you go. It is flying away with a newborn baby. Michael. Why are you calling your brother when I was? Did he come downstairs? I thought I just heard him. I don't know. I think he did for a second. Miguel. All right. I thought he was going to come by. What was it? Movie games? Well, games. I don't know anything about. Games? No, but that's. Oh, that's something I may do when I'm retired. Is start. I may start playing. Yes, you do say you want to start playing more video games. But ones that I would like, like a fighter plane, where I'm flying a fighter plane. Yeah, you got to get on the Ace Combat. Maybe one of those. uh, Shoot 'em up games where mm-hmm. you're walking around. Like Every game you guys play, that's the same thing. Oh, it's just not. different looking, different looking monsters. No, you're just walking around shooting things. No, it's not. I swear. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, 
I was going to say some TV. Cilantro. Cilantro. Here's the thing with cilantro. I, like you, hated it for the longest time, but because I've been eating more like Mexican food and tacos and stuff lately, cilantro in Mexican food, I don't mind it. That's okay. But it's when mom or like Sasa would make that like chicken or whatever the fuck it is, Portuguese dish where it's like, and here's a shitload of cilantro thrown into it, where it's like, why would you ever want that? But a little bit of cilantro and like a taco. As a person of Italian descent, obviously, Basile, oregano. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's your Cadillac and your Rolls Royce (laughs) of the herb world. Yes. Cilantro, the devil's weed. Mm -hmm. But again, if you like cilantro, you see, this is what's missing in our world. It's Mm -hmm. not for me. If it's for you, good for you. (laughs) You're not my enemy. You're not my enemy because you like cilantro and I don't, you see. And this is the problem with social media. If I can summarize it with the cilantro argument. As a matter of fact, we'll call it from now on the cilantro (laughs) argument. The problem with our world is people will say, I like cilantro and you don't, so you're my enemy. You're a jerk. You're an idiot. Whereas what they need to say is, you don't like cilantro. I do. Let's talk about it. And if we can't come to an agreement, that's okay. It's okay for you not to like it or for me to like it or vice versa. And you see, that's what's the problem with our world. Everybody, Anybody who thinks differently than the person on social media is considered an enemy. Mm-hmm. That's my enemy now because they think differently than I do. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid growing up politically in the States or wherever, there were right-wingers and left-wingers, but they didn't hate each other. And they talked and they, they sure, they got into disagreements, but they didn't hate each other. And that's a big difference than now, uh, from now, where it's like if, if you don't see the world the same way I do, you're my enemy. And uh, people who don't like cilantro are not my enemies. I don't get them at all, but they're not my enemies. And stop putting it in stuff that's not Mexican food, mom. And Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. People see him as a villain. I see him as a guy you want to have a beer with. Mm-hmm. I tell you right now, anybody in the Star Wars canon, who throws a better party than Jabba? Mm-hmm. Nobody. He's got the Rancor pit. He's got the pit. If things get out of hand, people get a little drunk, a little stupid. He's got a great way of booting them out of the party. Opens up the floor. Poof, Makes a, makes a meal out of them, basically. Good music. You know, he's got, uh, like all men like to see at a party, you know, he's got some pretty ladies. He's got the ladies dancing. Dancing for him. There I mean, uh, to me, that's not a villain. Mm-hmm. That's a guy I want to have a beer with. There you go. There you go. Um, we're at about an hour here, so I guess we can start to wrap it up. That's all I got. Is there well, anything now, else you needed to get off? Well, of I think we should circle back to the my 10 favorite lovemaking sessions uh, with your mother. Um, both with and without costumes. You don't have to. May 4th, 1998. Jesus Christ. After a particularly large bottle of Matus wine. Oh, God. We were feeling frisky. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do this to me. We'll do another podcast on why the Leafs pissed me off. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the one thing. All the gray hairs on this head. Half of them were from my profession. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say a third of them. A third of them are from Mrs. Ursel's family Mm -hmm. and i mean her family and the other third is the toronto maple leafs Mm -hmm. yeah that was the one thing we didn't i guess get into is sports and leafs that's okay we'll save this i'm kind of considering this for anybody that gives a shit out there uh a sort of pilot episode of sorts because i've always thought in my head that like you know one day oh you want controversy (laughs) wait till i retire one day that's when i I figured i have to retire before i can unleash just a hailstorm of verbal bullets Mm -hmm. On the world. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm still a teacher, so I have to be good. There you go. I always figured we would wind up maybe doing something like this one day as like a little, you know, a father-son activity. I'm sure we'll rope mom and Michael into it one day. But Just as long as I – I don't want to just be eye candy for the women. Exactly. I don't want to be here just to sit and look gorgeous for the women. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to share my opinions mm-hmm. and, uh, and be free to express myself mm-hmm. without being canceled. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, so there you go. You've got to wait at least a year until he retires or so. But, and, then, um, and then watch out. But yeah, so they'll write folk songs about my opinions. Mm-hmm. And there you go. So this is sort of like a pilot episode of sorts for old and gold is what I always thought. He I wants to call, call it old and gold, which was hilarious when you were like, what does old and gold mean? Like who's old and who's gold? And I was like, you had to ask. Well, I believe I'm old and gold. <laughs> there you go. So it could, should be old gold and Matthew. <laughs> there you go. Old gold and junior. There you go. But I've uh, I've enjoyed this. I've oh, laughed. Yeah. Why, thank you. I've cried. <laughs> I've uh, had a ball. And uh, you're my son. Mm-hmm. And uh, after this, I'm gonna bump you from a C plus to a B minus, like your mother. <sighs> okay. So you're there now. You're there because I don't give away A's very easily, there unless you. I'm giving them to myself. There you my go. performance, I'd say A. I wouldn't say A plus because I can be critical. Mm-hmm. I probably rambled on a little bit at times, but uh, that comes with getting old. Mm-hmm. So there you go, full circle. There you I just go. tied it all in we together. It back there, you go. There you go. So that's it. That's everything. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for doing this. I love you. I love you. Uh, that's your bonus episode, everybody. We'll be back next week with everyone. The next show week, returns. a twenty-minute unaccompanied guitar solo. There you go. Just like the music we like. Alrighty. Thank you, everybody. A goodbye.